Good morning, church. Come on, let's try again. Good morning, church. <laughs> Woohoo! So, so good to see you today. If you're a guest, we're honored you came to church. God bless you for all our church family. Welcome back. We missed last week. Who missed it last week? I did. I did. It broke my heart. But listen, we had to take care of our setup team. They show up at 5.30 to set this amazing place up. And 5.30 last Sunday was icy. And so we made a decision to take care of our team. And, um, but we were not able to be here last week. So I'm so glad to be back this week with you. And it's an honor to have all of you back at church. Awesome, awesome. And shout out to our setup team. We're back in here this morning. Come on, give them a clap. We love them. And then the breakdown team will clap for you later because we love you too. So all our volunteers, amazing. Um, hey, listen, uh, today we have a guest speaker today. I'm not preaching today. Uh, we have a man that I highly respect and honor. Uh, his name is Pastor Ron McGee. He and his wife, Norma, are here today with us. And um, we are blessed that you are with us. Let me tell you uh, why he is here um, and a little bit about him first. But they planted Rock Church of Wilmington in 1988 and have had a significant impact in our city through, through their ministry. And so it's been an honor to know them and be a, a partner church in the city with them. Uh, they made a decision uh, with their, the new lead pastor, Brian McGee, um, early this year that the vision that God had given to them had been fulfilled and they felt like it was best for them to to cease the operations of their ministry and to encourage their church body to find other churches to serve in and, and then just with all the resources they have. Um, and honestly, I've met some of the people from your church and they are amazing believers. They're faithful people. And, um, and so wherever they land, they're going to be a blessing. Um, but, um, but their vision was fulfilled and they, they decided to cease the operations of their church. And so uh, when I heard about that, I called Pastor Ron. I texted him and said, hey, um, now that you're not busy at your church this month, um, would you please come to our church and preach? Because I want to honor you for the years of ministry that you have had in our city. And we are a kingdom-minded church. And we just first want to say thank you for all that you've done. We bless you and we honor your ministry and all that you have done for our city. So thank you. The other reason I thought it was important is when I planted, my wife and I, Harriet and I planted this church in 2004, I mailed out about 10 envelopes with a letter in it with a $100 bill to 10 pastors and churches in this city. And in it, it said, I came to be a blessing. We're planting a church and we want to partner with you. We don't want to take anything from you. We want to give. We're not looking for your members. We just want to be a part of this, this church body in Wilmington. And I just want to introduce myself. Enjoy that $100. God bless you. And I had one pastor call me, Pastor Ron McGee. He called me and said, I want to take you to lunch. I guess you used the $100 to buy my lunch. I, I think you did. Um, but uh, so we, uh, we sat and I asked him a million questions. He poured into me. He continued to call and check on me. And now for, we're 17 years old as a church. For 17 years, I've heard from him from time to time. And he's been a part of, of my journey as a pastor. 
And um, for that, I'm honored that you would come and speak at our church and be a part of our church body today. And we love you. Would you please join me on the platform? And church, would you honor this man? Well, Pastor, I see you got my email with the list of all the things I wanted you to say about me, and I'm grateful for that. <clears throat> I figured if you sent me a letter with $100 in it and asked for a reply, I figured if I'd reply, I might get another 100 out of that, but <clears throat> doesn't always work that way. Um, can I just take a minute or two or three and share something with you that's not really spiritual? Is that okay? <clears throat> I, I started this list in my phone years and years ago. It's called Wisdom, Wit, and Witlessness. There's some really profound things there about wisdom, but there's just some hilarious things there. Most of them I thought them up myself. It popped into my crazy mind, but then I'd see something somewhere. But <clears throat> I started making a list of dumb things preachers say. And your pastor said two of them in the early service today. <laughs> Why do we say, if you're here today, I can see you. I know you're here. Stand to your feet. How else would you stand? My son has a habit. He'll say, stand right where you are. Have you ever known a pastor to say, stand? Go stand in the corner. <laughs> and then um, here's another one. Uh, yeah, bow your heads right where you are. Here's a good one. <clears throat> Before I preach, I've got something to say. <laughs> well, then you're done. And here's another one. Everybody turn around and shake somebody's hand. If everybody turns around, there will be no hand there to shake. <laughs> so much for that. I'm done now, and I have used up... <clears throat> I've used up five minutes of my 30-minute allocation here. I want to talk to you today about living in the moment. First of all, I am very honored that Pastor Tim asked me to come and minister to this amazing congregation. Uh, I'm honored by that. Um, I, here's the reason I responded to his letter. Before we came to Wilmington in 1988, I prayed for three and a half years for a city I knew nothing about. God planted it in my heart. The Lord spoke to me in an early morning prayer meeting and said, I want you to become an intercessor for Wilmington, North Carolina, and... In my profound stupidity, I said, Lord, Wilmington is in Delaware. <laughs> the kids say they're going to put that on my tombstone. But over time, I got information. I got a phone book. I got information from the Chamber of Commerce. I just, I just thought the Lord had called me to be an intercessor for this city. But as time came along and I realized God was calling us to this city, I sent letters 
I called 22 different pastors. I got their names out of the yellow pages in the church section, and I started calling them. And I wrote letters to them, and I didn't hear back, but when I would call them, I'd say, my wife and I are praying about coming to Wilmington, planning a church, and I'd like to know what God's doing in, in your church and what, what do you see God doing in the city. And it was horrible. One man said, there's too much competition already here. You need to stay in Florida. But I was determined that when we came here that we would celebrate anybody else God sent. And God sent your pastor and his wife, and we've celebrated them. Now, let me talk to you about living in the moment. I want to... It's one of the most important things we need to discipline ourselves to do is to live in the moment. Because when we're going through difficult circumstances, it's easier, it's easy to get distracted and turn our focus to the past or the future in an unconscious effort to escape the pain and pressure of what's going on in our lives at the moment. There are pleasant and unpleasant things in our past that can encourage or discourage us, but we dare not try to dwell in the past. The past is forever gone. We are wise to learn from it, but we cannot change one thing in the past. Conversely, the future is beyond our grasp. We can anticipate it, but we cannot arbitrarily go there. Freeing ourselves from the past. Listen to this. This is important. This is a key to living in the moment. Freeing ourselves from the past and preparing ourselves for the future can only be accomplished by one thing, and that is being faithful in the present. Well, Pastor Ron, if you knew what my present is like, you know why I can't do anything. Oh, let me tell you, the most valuable lessons I have learned in my life were in the most difficult circumstances of my life, that I did nothing to bring about those circumstances. I did, I, there was nothing I could do about those circumstances, but God showed up in the middle of my horrible circumstances. Here's something to note about the character of God the Father and Jesus the Son and Holy Spirit. God, Jesus, nor Holy Spirit does anything in the past or the future. That's because they do everything in the present. In Exodus chapter 3, there's a story of God telling Moses, I want you to go to Egypt and deliver my people. And Moses says in Exodus 3, beginning with, with verse 13, he said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites I am has sent me to you. Now you and I ought to celebrate that because what that tells us is that no matter what our present is like, God the Father, God the Son, and God Holy Spirit is there with us in the middle 
of the moment of my life that may be horribly difficult to bear. The writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same, was the same in the past, and he is today in the present, and he will be in the future. The best way to define eternity is eternal presence. God is always in the present. God is not the great I was. I've, I've, I've observed this over, over 54 years of ministry. I, I've deserved that people can have really bold faith about the God of the past, really bold faith about the God of the future, but they hadn't got a nickel's worth of faith about God in the present. And I'm telling you, the only time God is ever going to meet you is in your present. And when I, in my present circumstance, in my, in, in my present, in my moment, when I begin to acknowledge that he is here with me, suddenly faith begins to rise up in me. Hope begins to rise up in me. Uh, confidence begins to rise up in me because I know he is forever the God of the moment. God will never meet you in your past. He'll never meet you in your future. But he will meet you again and again in your presence. How do we live in the moment? I'm glad you asked that question. I'm going to give you five answers. I would encourage you to take these five important things that will set you free from feeling like you're in bondage in the presence. Number one, begin every day with God. My wife and I have a strict routine at our house. I'm fully retired she is gradually retiring. She's almost retired. I've said she's done it a little by little, sort of like the little boy that cut the puppy's tail off an inch at the time so it wouldn't hurt so bad. But she's almost retired. But we don't set alarm clocks. But every, nearly every morning we are wide awake at 6 o'clock, and I get up, and I slip out of the bedroom, and I go into my office, and I sit down at my desk, and I get my Bible. My wife gets up. She gets in her recliner that's in our bedroom. She gets her Bible. And I know you think it'd be a lot more spiritual if we just get together and have a, have a, have a, a, a two-person prayer meeting. But this is not what that time is about. It is about me starting my day with the Lord of my life and her starting her day. We get in the Word. We read the Scriptures. We begin to apply the Scriptures. And then we pray. I grew up in a house where we began and ended every day in prayer. My father was fire marshal at an international paper company in my hometown, so my dad was, had left for work by about 6 o'clock in the morning. But every morning we got up, my mother, my brother, and I, we read our Bible. And we had to take turns reading. 
And my mother taught us that the Bible says that all Scripture is suitable for doctrine. So when we got over into the genealogies in the Old Testament, she made us try to pronounce every one of those Hebrew names. And I learned how out of that experience to pronounce them. And I'm going to share that with you today so that if you're in a group and you're asked to read this passage of Scripture and it's a bunch of, of Hebrew names and you wonder, how can I pronounce those names? Here how you, here's how you do that. You fake it. <laughs> and if you do it with a sense of confidence, they'll say, I always wondered how you pronounced that name. <laughs> but we read the Bible. My next door neighbors, the, the mother was the pastor of a church that was just past their house and, and, and um, they never prayed in their house so their son who was my age every morning would come to our house and then other, other young people, children and teenagers began to hear and they would show up at our house because that's the only time they ever heard the word of God read and then my mother would pray for us. And that night when my dad was home from work and after dinner and it was time to go to bed, we prayed again. I want to urge you, begin and end every day with prayer. The psalmist said in Psalm chapter 5, verse 3, In the morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. Psalm 92, verses 1 and 2 says, It is good to... Praise the Lord and make music to your name, O on high, to proclaim your love in the morning. Lord, I'm starting out my day and I'm thankful that I know that you love me. And then when I get to the end of the day, he says, and your faithfulness at night. At night I say, thank you, Lord. You've blessed me today. You've helped me today. Lord, you've directed me today. The second thing you do to live in the moment is don't get in a hurry. One thing I've learned the hard way is that God's never in a hurry. In the early days of our ministry, we started in the library at Trask Middle School, didn't know a human being in this town when we moved here. My wife, my, my son, who was 16 years old, our daughter, Abby, turned 13 two weeks after we got to Wilmington. We did not know anybody. And the first day, we ran a little business card size ad on the religious page of the Saturday newspaper about the beginning of a new spirit-filled non-denominational church. And to our amazement, 50 people showed up. Now, that was my wife, my son, my daughter, and me. And my mom told my daddy five days before, we got to go to Wilmington. And Dad said, why? She said, because I want him to have somebody to preach to besides Norman and the kids. <laughs> but people began to come. And we began to grow. We moved from the library to the cafeteria and we kept growing and we kept growing. And in my prayer time, God would speak something to me and I'd grab that and run with it. And one day God spoke to me and said, if you don't slow down, you're going to miss a lot. He said, if you go fast, you'll go on your own. If you go slow, I'm a patient God, and I'll wait for you. If you move slower than God, 
He'll wait for you. Psalm 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord and be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Just, you know what? If I was taking notes, I'd write this down. Get in God's presence and shut up. Sometimes we just need to sit and say, God, what's on your heart today? God, what do I need to hear from you today? Just wait on the Lord. The story of Jonah is an, is, is, is an interesting story to me in the Bible. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and prophesy to that city. But Jonah hated the Ninevites, and he didn't want to go there. So the Bible says in Jonah chapter 1 that instead of going to Nineveh, he got on a ship to go to Tarshish to flee from the presence of God. Now, if you don't take any more notes on anything else I say, you write down what I'm about to tell you. This is powerfully profound. Sin will make you stupid. Here's a prophet that God's been talking to, but Jonah thinks he don't know where Tarsus is. So if I get on this ship to go down there to Tarsus, God will leave me alone. It does not work that way. Jonah got frustrated, and he could not dwell in the moment. Saul got in a hurry. He was going to battle, and Samuel was coming to offer sacrifices. But, but Saul got in a hurry, and Sam, Samuel didn't show up when he thought he was supposed to show up. So he violated the, the role of the, of the priest and made sacrifices for himself, and immediately God took his kingdom from him. How much have we lost because we could not wait on God. But when you read the story of Lazarus dying in the Gospels, Jesus did not get in a hurry when Lazarus was sick. In John chapter 11, we read about Jesus. Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And after the messenger told him that Lazarus was sick, Jesus waited two more days. He didn't go right then. He didn't scurry off down there. And so when he finally got there, Lazarus was dead and already buried in a, in a tomb. And when Mary and Martha saw Jesus, they said, Lord, if you had been here, our brother would not have died. Listen, have you ever gotten frustrated because you thought God didn't show up when you really needed him to show up? If he doesn't show up when you think he needs to show up, you need to know he's got something much bigger planned for you in that circumstance than you can imagine. You see, God's plan was not to heal Lazarus. Listen, when when we see a miraculous healing, that is amazing. I have seen those. I have experienced those. But I have never seen nor have I been an instrument in raising somebody from the dead and raising them up out of the grave. But that's what Jesus' plan was. And so they thought 
he should have come earlier and our brother would have lived and he thought he's going to live, but now you're going to see how miraculous that is. Number three, be patient. Impatience is a vice. Patience is a virtue. Patience is also one of the, one of the elements of the fruit of the Spirit. Psalm 37, 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Luke 21, 19, By your patience, Jesus said, By your patience, possess your souls. Number four, quit worrying. Well, Pastor Ron, I come I come from a family of worriers. My mama is my mama worries, my daddy worries, my grandma worries. They're just always in a dither. Well, and, and so so Pastor Ron, I inherited this. There's not anything I can do about it. Oh yes, you can. You can say, I refuse to live the rest of my life worrying. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. Paul said, do not be anxious about anything. Now, now hear me. These things I'm sharing with you, you find in the scriptures. If you will make the decision, whatever the Bible says, that's what I'm going to apply in my life every day, in every circumstance, in every situation, with every challenge that I face, I am going to apply the word of God to that. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Here's one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. I quote it to myself, and I have quoted it to others. Psalm 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Number five, trust God. Whatever's going on in your life today, God is present with you. If it's good, it's easy to say, well, God's with me. Look how blessed I am. If you are going through the worst, darkest time of your life, he's there. In 1999, I had four surgeries in a six-day period. Three of them were trauma surgeries, and my life was hanging by thread. My, gr my condition was... Defined as grave, that means not expected to survive. I had had a simple outpatient surgery to repair a hernia right here just below my chest bone about the size of a ping pong ball and my colon was perforated and they didn't find it for 14 days. You go research that and they'll tell you you can't live that long. But I was literally hanging between heaven and earth. I was so weak, I could not speak one night. I was so weak, I couldn't turn my head. But I'm going to tell you something. About 3 o'clock in the morning, and the reason I knew it was 3 o'clock in the morning, they put these big clocks in the room because you can get real disoriented if you're in a trauma unit. And sitting right back here, I heard the voice of a female praying. 
And she would pray in her English. Then she'd pray in the language Holy Spirit gives, just very softly. She would hum a song. She lay there, and I couldn't even turn my head to see who she was. I knew I was dying, but I had such peace because I knew the minute I took the last breath, I knew where I'd be. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be in the presence of the Lord. One of the greatest days of your life be the day you die. You think about that. Don't dread that. I want to live here as long as God leaves me here. But eventually that lady got up and walked out. She was the nursing director for trauma sur- for the uh, surgical trauma units, two different units. And in the middle of the night, Holy Spirit said, go sit by his bed and fight for his life. And she did. And from that moment, my life began to turn. I don't know if you can tell, but I didn't die. <laughs> I am healthy. I'm strong, 72 years old. And I, I, I can do everything I need to do and a bunch of stuff I just like to do. That lady was the, the director of the trauma nurseries. My wife's given me permission to hug her anytime I see her. And every once in a while, I'll see her every few years. That lady sat there and fought for my life. You know why? Because God is an ever-present help when you need him. <clears throat> Matthew twenty-eight twenty. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And some nitwit theologians would say, well, the age ended when the last of the 12 apostles died. Well, that is not true. Because in Ephesians chapter 4, God, Paul says, God gave to the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers until the church has become the perfection of Christ. And we know that's not true. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13, 5, God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Zephaniah three seventeen says, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Now listen to this. Noah lived in the moment. It took him nearly 120 years to build the ark. He preached righteousness the whole time and not one time did anybody ever get converted. Joseph in Egypt lived in the moment. Daniel in the lion's den lived in the moment. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace lived in the moment. Let me close with two, little, two other scriptures. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. When you get up every morning, acknowledge him. When you go to bed every night, you acknowledge him. When you're faced with a trial, you acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Paul said this to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For God says at just the right time, I hurt you. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, God is ready to help you right now.
today is the day of salvation. I want to pray for you. In an audience this size, there are some of you here who desperately needed to hear this word because you are so weary in a battle. You are so weary in a circumstance and you, 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 you've tried everything you know to do and it hasn't gotten any better. I want to tell you, if you'll put, turn all of your attention to the ever-present help, you're going to find almost immediate relief because you know he's here for me. Father, I have lived what I have preached. There were times when I did not know if I would live to see another day. There are times when the damage and destruction to my human body was horrible. But you were there. And Lord, every one of us here, regardless of the circumstances we are experiencing right now, you are here. And I pray that as we turn to you with the, with, with, with the, the faith of a child and say, Lord, this is what you said in the scriptures, and I choose to believe that. So today, I will trust you. I will let you be the Lord over what's going on in my life. I thank you that there is great liberation coming to those who will dare to live in the moment. And I bless them today in Jesus' name. Amen.